Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. It's Thursday, August 10th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Construction of the Bagnell Dam in 1931 created the Lake of the Ozarks. It also submerged communities and displaced families. Life kind of fell apart for a lot of us. Coming up, the contentious origin story of Lake of the Ozarks. South St. Louis community leaders say the closure of a troubled hospital leaves an economic and social hole in the Dutchtown neighborhood. Owners of South City Hospital, previously known as St. Alexius, are shutting down the 178-bed location. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports. Last week, the hospital moved patients and laid off most employees, with a few security workers staying to guard the property. Finance group SA Hospital Acquisition bought the hospital out of bankruptcy in 2021. Dutchtown South Community Corporation Executive Director Anissa McCaskill says last year she toured the property and saw owners renovating parts of the building. It made me feel like what they were doing was going to make them unique and might attract people to the site. And now, with them being closed, I don't know what happens to all of that. McCaskill says the property's proximity to bus routes made it an easy place for neighborhood residents to work. Community leaders say many of the hospital's patients were older people receiving psychiatric care. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. The St. Louis Airport Commission has approved a Boeing expansion project that would allow the company to lease roughly 160 acres from St. Louis Lambert International Airport. Boeing would initially pay the airport slightly more than $2.5 million a year for the first phase. It's seeking a tax break from St. Louis County Council. Boeing's senior director of state and local government operations, Randall Gelzer, said at a county council meeting Tuesday that the project would create about 500 jobs. This is key to significantly growing our advanced manufacturing capability at the site. Um, This will allow us to compete for those next franchise programs in St. Louis. St. Louis officials also have to approve the expansion. About 150 people gathered in Ferguson yesterday to celebrate the life of Michael Brown Jr., nine years after he was killed by a white police officer. Many say they still mourn his death, but it has sparked change in the community. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. Mike Brown, man. We got, we got to, to fight back! back. Brown's family, community members, and local officials celebrated his life with call and response chants, loving hugs, and moments of silence. People gathered around the spot where Brown was killed, which is marked with stuffed animals, a few roses, and a Black Lives Matter flag to reflect on how he died. Ebony Williams says this moment is sad. However, she's seen the relationship between police officers and black people slowly change. I don't think it's perfect yet. I don't think it's what it needs to be yet, but we made the step in making the change. Williams says Brown's death inspired her to fight for equity for children of color in St. Louis schools. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. Republican State Senator Andrew Koenig says he's running for Missouri Treasurer to advance conservative policies. He's challenging incumbent and fellow Republican Vivek Malik. Koenig says he'll be better at reaching out to voters. He may be well-funded, but I don't think he's going to have the ground game that I have. Um, I think when we're traveling the state and we're speaking at different Republican groups, I think I can have a compelling story that people will respond to. Koenig is term limited out of the state Senate after 2024. He was a guest on Politically Speaking. 
The episode is at stlpr.org. The election for the first ward seat on the Belnor City Council is headed to a recount. Again, incumbent Charlie McBride beat challenger Janelle Calloway in April by a single vote, but a recount showed the race was tied. Voters cast ballots in a redo election this week, and McBride won again by just a single vote. Calloway says she will seek a recount and is excited about her chances. She also says it's unfortunate some people chose not to vote. Uh, It saddens me because I just wish I could do something about those feelings. And I will be chatting with people as to why they feel their vote doesn't matter. This week's election saw a 28 percent increase in voter turnout compared to April. The 2023 Illinois State Fair begins today, and to ring in the festivities, officials have unveiled an 800-pound buttery bovine. Mawa Iqbal has more. The life-size butter sculpture features dairy farmer Laura Lee Schultz milking one of her cows. Schultz is from Orangeville, about 40 miles northwest from Rockford. She says this year's calcium creation and an accompanying butter sculpture of her young daughter with the calf celebrates dairy farm families like hers. What isn't more fun than ice-cold milk, creamy ice cream, and gooey cheese made with milk produced on the over 400 dairy farms across the great state of Illinois? Visitors will be able to see both sculptures inside chilled spaces at the state fairgrounds in Springfield. The fair runs today through the 20th. I'm Mawa Iqbal. The Missouri State Fair in Sedalia also begins today. Missouri's Lake of the Ozarks attracts millions of tourists each year, but how this man-made lake came to be is complicated. From sunken homes to unique new opportunities, a People's History of Kansas City podcast host Suzanne Hogan tells us the story. With more shoreline than the whole state of California, the Lake of the Ozarks in mid-central Missouri attracts a range of tourists. People like Jen Spray, who come to enjoy the water. It's the closest you can get to being on the ocean in the Midwest, in my opinion. While others come to party. You want to know how drunk you are? Pay us. Drawn by the bustling nightclub scene. To some, it feels like the lake is changing too drastically, too fast. But this place has seen extreme transformations before, considering it's a man-made body of water less than 100 years old. The Lake of the Ozarks means everything to me. Like most lakes and waterways in the region, the Lake of the Ozarks was designed to be where it is. Most projects of the early 1900s were engineered to help with irrigation and flood control. Unlike most of those federally funded projects, the Lake of the Ozarks was always rooted in private interests. As early as 1912, Ralph Street, a Kansas City lawyer and real estate agent, dreamed of building the Bagnell Dam to corral the waters of the Osage River and create a lake that would supply hydroelectric power for St. Louis. We knew a lot of people who actually lived through the um, building of Bagnell Dam and the creation of the lake. Dan William Peake is a true local from the area and co-author of the book, A People's History of the Lake of the Ozarks. And I'm a hillbilly. You know, I play the banjo, I, uh, I like moonshine. Peake spoke to KCUR back in 2018. He's since passed away. In that interview, he said before the lake's construction, the area was filled with wooded hills and river bottoms. The population was mostly isolated, 
farmers and homesteaders. To turn this rugged landscape into a lake bottom, the builders demolished homes, clear-cut trees, and moved cemeteries. Some people did take offers to relocate, but many were confused and didn't want to go, as captured in a documentary made 75 years later. Nobody could believe it could happen. Life kind of fell apart for a lot of us. In 1929, construction of the dam began, the same year as the stock market crash that led to the Great Depression. Co-author Kent Van Landit says crews worked around the clock. Many of the same people who were displaced by the dam's construction ended up working to build it. There was not a depression in that area because the construction of the dam employed about 4,000 people on any given day. After just two years of construction, the Bagnell Dam was completed and the lake began to fill. The first decade of the lake mostly catered to rich businessmen from the cities. But in the 1950s and 60s, things started to shift as the concept of vacation getaways and lakeside homes were being marketed to the growing middle class. The Ozarks, if you can't relax here, you likely never will. Attractions like Lee Mace's Old Ozark Opry famously drew in visitors for decades, which in turn created more business opportunities for locals and outsiders. It's just truly has become urban from what used to be rural, hillbilly area. To the late Dan William Peake's wife, Joy Peake, whose family also goes back generations. The next chapter in the lake's history book is complicated. You know, I like the quiet. I guess you also look at it, if you're a local that owns a, a business, you look forward to those people coming. With a new multi-million dollar development on the docket for next year, it's hard to say what the next 100 years will look like here. True locals, longtime lakegoers, and weekend warriors hitting the clubs all have their different ideas of who the lake belongs to and what it's for. I'm Suzanne Hogan. You can hear the full story behind the making of the Lake of the Ozarks on A People's History of Kansas City from member station KCUR. Before wrapping up, we remember musician Robbie Robertson, who died yesterday. Robertson wrote that song, The Wait, released by the influential group The Band in 1968. He was involved in writing most of the songs by The Band, which for a time was the backing group for a guy named Bob Dylan. It's also credited with launching the Americana music genre. Robertson also worked for years with director Martin Scorsese on movie music. His creations were on the soundtracks for classics like Raging Bull, Casino, and The Wolf of Wall Street. Robertson also had a critically acclaimed solo career, beginning with a self-titled album in 1987, a classic featuring this gem. That is Showdown at Big Sky off the Robbie Robertson album. Robertson was born in Toronto and raised on the nearby Six Nations of the Grand River. He died yesterday in Los Angeles. Robbie Robertson was 80. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Theme music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt.
Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.